And I'm Katie King. And this is True Crime New England, Case Profiles Edition. Yes, welcome back to one of our mini episodes. Thank you so much for joining us. This is our 10th installment of the Case Profiles, which is crazy because, wow. I know, I feel like we just started doing them. I know, it's it's nuts. And it's getting to the point where our Case Profiles page on the the website is quite long and there's a lot of information so if you guys have not checked it out go to truecrimene.com and look at the case profiles with pictures and also the case profiles that Katie had put a lot of hard work into prior to us starting to record their stories. Yes so if you guys are not familiar with our case profiles our mini episodes we are going to give you a little kind of intro before we get into the cases we're covering today. So, New England is not well known for its diversity. Not at all. And true crime tends to prioritize certain cases over others, which is very unfortunate because it leaves cases like the ones we do our mini episodes on with not a lot of media coverage, not a lot of attention, and it really hurts the investigation. Most of the cases we talk about are cold cases, are unsolved, And it's very unfortunate because I feel as though if they had gotten that coverage, they may not be unsolved today. Right. Exactly. And there are some cases that we cover on these case profiles that are 20 plus years old, Mm -hmm. 30 plus years old, and there's still no answers. And it almost seems like in a lot of these cases, there could be an answer if people just looked a little harder. But because these are people of color it's kind of swept under the rug. So our goal is to just bring a little bit of attention, whatever we can, to these cases to try and help at least get their stories out here because somebody knows something. For sure. And I feel as though that is the case with both of the cases we have. Mm. So if you're new here, Liz and I take turns telling each other and you guys about the cases we have researched. And Liz, I believe it is your turn to start us off this episode. I believe you're correct. So I'm excited to start us off because I have a, it's short like these often are, but it's got an interesting background. Cool. So my sources today, I have three, which is pretty big deal for this case profile series. There's all always not very many sources. Mm -hmm. I have an article from Boston 25 News. I have an article from Boston.com, and I also have a little bit of information from BPD News, Boston Police Department. I figured that out on my own. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about a man named Melvin Franklin. So Melvin Franklin, he was born on May 14th, 1957. I don't have a lot of information on like his child. I don't have anything on his childhood, really, where he was even born. But what I can tell you is that he was very talented, and he was a hard worker and dedicated, and he knew these traits from when he was young. Because in his teenage years, he was a part of a soul group called the Energetics, and they did soul and funk music. Eventually, he was in another band called Planet Patrol, which you can kind of compare and think of like the Temptations. So he actually was on um, Soul Train, the TV show, with Dan Cornelius, the host, 
in the 70s. And he also was a part of one of those bands open for Madonna in the 70s. Oh, shit. Yes. So he was a very talented singer, a very nice guy. His picture, he's so, he's so handsome. He looked just like exactly what you would think a soul singer looked like. He just had that great vibe. And he was, I mean, he was a hot ticket, right? So after the Planet Patrol, the band, their course kind of ran itself out, Melvin met a woman named Mary, and together they, they married, and they had two children, and they were so in love. Reading these stories that Mary talks about him, she just adored this man. And mm-hmm. she talks about how great he looked in, like, tight pink salmon pants like he only he could pull it off in the 80s you know oh my god yeah like cute very cute stuff um and like i said they had two little kids together so she also describes him as a doting father and he never ever complained which is as a child that's a really great thing to have in a parent and i think that's important even though melvin did have a touch of fame with the planet patrol being you know madonna all that stuff he eventually got out of that music business and became a skycap for Northwest Airlines at Logan Airport in Boston. And he also was a minister. So just all around community, church, family, hardworking man, good, good man, right? So on October 15th of 1996, at around 11 p.m., Melvin Franklin was found lying outside on the sidewalk on Woodrow Avenue in Dorchester, Massachusetts, which is not very far from where he lived. They owned the house on Woodrow Avenue, and that was something that Melvin was very proud of because he worked very hard for it. So when gunshots were fired and Mary was at her house with her little kids, you know, she heard it, but she didn't think much of it because why would you? Like, that's, it's an area that happens, but why would it be Melvin, right? Um, So when Melvin was found, he was still alive and he was rushed to Boston Medical Center, which back then was Boston City Hospital. And unfortunately, he did die pretty soon after he arrived at the hospital. Also, unfortunately, he did die before Mary and their kids could get there in time. No. Yeah. So his injuries, he got shot in the chest is what ended up happening. And so they found him and the fact that he was still alive was pretty substantial because it was a A shot to the chest, you bleed out fairly quickly. So it was tragic, and all of a sudden their lives were forever changed. It's unclear due to the articles how many times he was shot, but what we know is he was shot at least once, and it was in the chest, um, which absolutely can do the job, if that's what you're going for. So unfortunately, there were no witnesses to give the police any ideas of who could have done this. If there was witnesses, they weren't coming forward, which unfortunately happens a lot in these cases. Mm -hmm. The risk of snitches get stitches is like a very real thing. So nobody came forward if they had seen anything. However, right away, the police believe that Melvin was not the intended target. They thought maybe that he um, was walking home and accidentally interrupted like a robbery in progress. Oh, man. And when the person being robbed got away, he was then there and was shot. Um, Mary thought this idea was probably, for a long time, she was like, that's probably what happened. And she also thought it wouldn't be out of character of him for him to try and help. That's what I was going to say, was I wonder if he was walking along and he saw it happen. Yeah. And he ran over and was like, no. Yeah. 
That's very possible. <sighs> just the person he was, it's very possible. Mm-hmm. And in the area they were too, and just in general, it's not unlikely that there would be a robbery. And it's nighttime as well, so that's usually when that kind of thing happens. The worst part about that is like such a simple fact that changed that day that ultimately changed everything and ended up with him dying was that he melvin always took his car to work but that day he decided to take the bus so that meant when he was finished working instead of driving his car to his house and just getting out in his driveway walk you know he took a bus got off at the bus station and walked home is that not just like Come the worst on. coincidence and just such an awful moment of fate. Wow. So he really was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Absolutely. And the police to this day still do not believe that he was an intended target. They don't think it was like, it was clearly just a freak thing. Mm. Obviously, whoever did it was a, you know, had other plans regardless. And they were probably out looking to hurt someone or do something bad that night. Unfortunately, like I said, this murder has still not been solved. It was in 1996, so about 26, 7 years ago now. So Mary, his wife, has since started an operation called Melvin's Mission, where she hosts groups of women like in her home three times a week, and these women have lost their husbands, their children, and friends, and then together they all do like art projects and have therapy sessions and just are together. So she started that in honor of Melvin, which is wonderful. That's incredible. So she's she's still working to keep his memory alive because he was a genuinely wonderful man, a loving father, just a good person. So Melvin's mission is, I think it's a wonderful organization. So if you or anyone you know has any information on Melvin's death, call the Boston Police Department at 617-343-4470. And that is the murder of Melvin Franklin. Damn. Yeah. And not to be confused with Melvin Franklin, who is also a member of the Temptations, who also was (laughs) killed. Damn. But in the 70s, I think is what it was. Because I kept, I was looking up just very simple, like Melvin Franklin, murder, Melvin Franklin, Massachusetts. And there is another, yep. But it's pretty That's awful. Pretty rough, yeah. Two young kids. It always breaks my heart. That's so freaking sad. Yeah. What do you got for me today? All right. I have a disappearance. Oh, okay. I have the disappearance of Jennifer Mbugwa. Okay. I found a couple of videos on the pronunciation. Oh. Um, Jennifer is from Kenya, so the last name is Kenyan. Um, I found a bunch of videos. I was trying to like slow them down. It was um, a newscaster in Kenya with the same last name. Oh. And they said her last name one time and they're like, oh, so-and-so Umbugwa, can you take over? And right. I was like, pause, restart so yeah. I could like hear the pronunciation. Great. So I'm trying. I know for a fact it's not going to be 100%, That's but okay. my sources today are MassLive.com, The Charlie Project, and The Herald News. Great. On May 27, 2014, 31-year-old Jennifer Mbugwa was last seen by her neighbor outside of her apartment building. She was at the 500 block of South Main Street in Fall River, Massachusetts. Okay. Her neighbor is kind of walking by, sees Jennifer sitting in her car, and her neighbor said she was sitting inside of her car, but she was shuffling and looking through papers. Okay. She didn't seem distressed. But she seemed determined to find something in those papers. Okay. 
One day later, on May 28, 2014, Jennifer's car was found abandoned behind a shell station in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. Hmm. She was driving a gray Toyota Camry, and this specific shell gas station was near Route 295 and was off of Route 1. Oh, okay. The car was left there between midnight and 3 a.m. Hmm. Near the car, in a nearby dumpster, were the car keys. Ooh. And one of Jennifer's sandals. Ooh. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Jennifer's belongings were left behind, and she did not take with her her wallet or even her driver's license. So it's very suspicious. It, it doesn't look good. Oh, no. Following her disappearance, searches were conducted and false information was circulated that Jennifer was actually found, which really impaired the search. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Ugh. That happens occasionally. Like, I know that happened the other day where there was this flyer going around saying some guy from Rhode Island was missing. Oh. And his family's like, he's sitting on the couch in front of me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So That's so bizarre. Instead of circulating information that would help find her, like her missing persons information, the poster, pictures of her, there was false information saying that Jennifer was found safe, she's fine, call off the search. That's awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Family actually hired a private investigator, but they were only able to afford them for a few months. Aww. And in those few months, it didn't result in anything. I mean, it's only a handful of months. Like, you right. can't really... These things take time. Yeah. Jennifer's sister, Lisa, stated, quote, We really had no leads. My mom keeps saying she feels like somebody kidnapped her. Aww. She's very quiet, very reserved, and she's a single woman. We just feel she's somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Jennifer was born in Kenya and moved to Taunton, Massachusetts in 2001 before moving to Fall River in 2012. Two of her sisters also live in Massachusetts, but the rest of her family lives in Kenya. Oh, so her mother was in Kenya? Mm-hmm. Oh. I cannot even imagine trying to get information about a missing loved one, help with any kind of search, any kind of cooperation with police being overseas in a different country like that must have been so stressful and just awful like i can't even imagine yeah. having to go through that with a family member yeah jennifer loved music reading writing and nature especially the beach oh she would always go to the beach on her free time go for a walk she was very involved with her church she worked as a licensed practical nurse or an lpn nice she was kind of in different nursing homes um, but at the time of her disappearance, she was said to have been considering a career change. Oh, okay. At the time of her disappearance, Jennifer was five foot three and weighed about 140 pounds. She's considered an endangered missing person. Um, they think she might have been suffering from depression at the time. Okay. Which also, that fact can help and hurt the investigation in a way. Right. Because... We have very suspicious facts, like her car was abandoned, the keys, and one shoe That's that she was wearing the last time she was seen were in a dumpster. That's very suspicious. But then you bring in the fact, oh, well, she was depressed. Yeah. That's so it's like... But then to you and I, maybe it's just because we have the true crime brain, that doesn't mean anything. Right. Because the rest of the facts are suspicious and bizarre. Right. 
so some people are thinking, oh, well, she was depressed. She ran away. She wanted a career change. She did it on purpose. She career made herself change. disappear. Career change doesn't mean that you abandon your car and leave all your belongings. The fact that she left all of her belongings, like, hello? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. She's a black female, and she has black hair and brown eyes. We have a picture of her on our social media. She's very lovely. <laughs> Anyone with any information on the disappearance of Jennifer Mbugwa is asked to please contact the North Attleboro Police Department. Their phone number is 508-695-1212. You could also call the Fall River Police Department. Their phone number is 508-676-8511. Yeah, and we actually had this case on our master list for our full episodes, but, I mean, I only could find three sources. Yeah. So. That happens with people of color, like we talk about. Yeah, but I'm glad we could do a case profile on her and yeah. just kind of get her information out there because her family's still holding out hope. That's awful. Wow. That is so suspicious, though. A sandal in her car keys in a nearby... No, that's not depression. That's something happened to her. Right, and then the car was abandoned behind a random Shell gas station between midnight and 3 a.m. In a town completely different from where she lived. Right, and how is she running away and getting anywhere with, number one, a missing shoe. Right. Number two, no wallet, no keys, right. no license, no nothing. Yeah. Yeah, so her mom is pretty convinced that she was kidnapped, which is awful, but... Terrible. Yeah. Sounds more likely than anything depression-related. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. That's awful. Wow. But yeah, guys, that was uh, our two cases for episode 10, Case Profiles, uh, mini episode edition. If you guys know of any cases of people of color that they were murdered, they were abducted, they are disappeared, anything, please let us know especially especially if they're in new england if you can only find like one or two articles on them that's fine let us know anyways because we will do whatever we can to get their story out there for sure even if we cannot do a mini episode we'll still do an instagram post post on our website get the case out there in some way shape or form mm -hmm. which you know we'd love to do a mini episode we would love to do a full episode right but if that's all we can do is post on social media i mean at least that's something it's better than nothing right so just send us what you have if you have anything and yeah we'll go from there yeah so you can send us things on our instagram true crime any you can go to our website which is truecrimeny.com there's a submission tool and you can also reach us at our email which is truecrimeny at gmail.com and we absolutely are looking forward to hearing from you guys we are always looking for cases um, especially case profiles, so we can keep this series up and keep bringing awareness to people who deserve it. 100%. And with that, we'll see you on Thursday. Bye! Goodbye! <laughs>